everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a 6-5 to five loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. A game I am very much kind of divided on. I'm not sure what to think about that. There's certain things that I really liked about this game, certain things I didn't like about this game. I will say this. This is another game in which I think a uh, an opponent first started with Washington. It happened again here tonight where the Jets' aggression was turned against them. Uh, we'll dig into that a little bit deeper, but I posed that question to the head coach, Rick Bonus about that. He admitted that was the case. Uh, we'll dig a little bit deeper, um, but there's something off right now in their pressure game. That's what I was seeing. He sees the same thing as well. They don't quite have um, you know, their players in the right spots, and that's the deal with playing that pressure game is you kind of have to set up a fence if you want to get everyone down and kind of pressure. And if there's a hole in the fence, it gives a spot for you to float those pucks through. And when you do do that, especially if you get a team that's as fast and as engaged as Washington was the other night and Vegas was tonight, that's why you're seeing all those opportunities where uh, Vegas was getting in behind the Jets defenders. One of the things I didn't like about this game, there were so many grade A chances, especially early uh, in that first period. In the second period, you know, when there were five shots in the game, I think there there had been five opportunities where Vegas had a defender in, or sorry, an offensive player in behind the Jets defenders. So something is breaking out there at this stage. Rick Bonus has said as much. Um, they're going to need to fix it uh, because that 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 is the blueprint right now. I think we talk so much about what the Jets blueprint is. Their blueprint is a little bit off, but the blueprint I think I've seen in these last couple of games to beat the Winnipeg Jets is to use their aggression against them. That's what that was happening against Washington. We saw that happen here again tonight, and that's why you're seeing so many goals scored against a team that coming into this game was still third in the NHL at goals allowed. And they're still a very good defensive team, but Rick Bonus said it this morning, and he's right. They're trending in the wrong direction defensively. Now, it's interesting because Jeff Hamilton, uh, uh, our guy Hammy, uh, was pointing out that I think it's since November 26th or something like that, no team had had more goals in the NHL than the Winnipeg Jets, so it looked like the perfect kind of story here of the Jets defense, their new defensive blueprint under Rick Bonus, starting to work with the offense as well. But all of a sudden that offense is getting going and the defense is starting to fall by the wayside. That balance, trying to add offense into the game while maintaining the defense, it's it's definitely being tested. It's it's being bent a little bit and maybe broken on a couple of nights here. One thing I really did like about the Jets game here tonight, though, is I thought the neutral zone was being won by the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought it was another game in which the Jets' uh, game plan was being turned against them. But one thing I really liked was they got back into this game in a very specific way. Now, the Vegas Golden Knights are beat up on the back end. They're missing Shea Theodore. They're missing Zach Whitecloud. They're making, missing Alex Petrangelo. Missing your top three defensemen, that, that's a tough go. So what did the Jets do? Well, they weren't able to break through the neutral zone the way that, the, that, the way that Vegas was playing and kind of get those odd man rushes. But I love what they did and what you saw them do in the game. They fought their way back into the game by going an 
out-muscling, out-manning, creating chaos against those secondary players who are coming in to, to spell off the losses of all those players for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, you know, Mark Shifley's goal, phenomenal. I'll dig into that later. But the one thing that I saw in this game is first goal, second goal, third goal are all shots from the point that get converted either with a tip or with a, 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 a rebound. Um, and even the fourth goal, which is a power play goal, is created from, I believe it was Kevin Stenland drawing the penalty, driving to get to the front of the net. The Jets won the battle in front of the net tonight, and that's what allowed them to get back into that game. They didn't pass the puck into the back of the net. They went and did the hard battles. Again, we'll dig in more because I loved Shifley's goal. There's some subtleties to it I want to talk about. But overall, um, I thought there was a good game plan to get the Jets back into the game. But this is a night where I see the blueprint that the Jets are trying to get to. They're not able to get to it. And it's a a, a fast, rugged, speedy team that has interrupted their rhythm uh, for the second straight game. Um, I said it after the last game, the Jets losing to the Washington Capitals. I don't think it was a bad thing. I think they needed a little bit. Sorry, I don't think they needed that. But a humbling experience is not necessarily a bad thing. Two humbling experiences in a row. I think this is most definitely a wake-up call for the Winnipeg Jets. Rick Bonus wanted to see how his team responded tonight. I think it will be very important how they respond in their next game coming up against the Nashville Predators. Uh, that's what I saw quickly out of the gate before we start digging into the bones of all of this. Uh, of course, I want to hear what you have to say about everything, and I definitely want to hear what my main man, Ken Weeb, has to say about the whole thing. So I'm going to bring him in here, the man with the best music in the business. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, my man, looking great as usual. Uh, we didn't send out the memo, but we definitely got things. We didn't get the wires crossed today. I've got my new <laughs> suit on here from the boys of Vittorio Rossi. Frankie Indeed. gave me very specific instructions. You take this suit, you put it with this shirt, and you slap on this tie, and mwah, everything's put together. I think he's right. Good stuff by Frankie and the boys over at Vittorio Rossi. And if you want to look like Kenny and Rennie, why don't you head on down to Cordon Avenue and go see the boys at Vittorio Rossi yourself. Frank takes all the guesswork out of it. If you don't know a lot about suits, it's the place to go. If you do know a lot about suits, it is definitely the place to go because you'll walk in there and it is just an absolute paradise for gentlemen who like the finer things in life, especially the way they dress. So go see Frank at the boys at Vittorio Rossi. They'll uh, they'll do you up good. Ken, how are you doing tonight? Tremendous thanks. Yeah, that is a sharp-looking suit, no doubt about that. We both got our uh, brand-new Frank specials uh, going here for sure. Uh, interesting tilt, as you mentioned. Um, very gutsy performance from the visitors, a team that was playing without, you know, three top end defensemen, three of their top six scorers. They're missing their leading scorer in Jack Eichel as well. So, I mean, I think 
a lot of fans uh, thought the Jets would just roll over this team because they yeah. were missing so many uh, important cogs to the puzzle. But uh, gutsy effort. The special teams, once again, very good for the Vegas School of the Knights. In terms of the Jets, uh, I don't think it was a lackluster performance, Sean, but I do think there were some things missing. I think you touched on them. I think that the, you know, I, you know, we should say right out of the gate, Rick Bonus did say there were a few uh, IVs required. They've got a little of a bug rolling through the room. Uh, I don't think that was not an excuse. It was just, you know, it was first in reference to a question that I had. We were very curious, uh, at least on our side of the press box, Sean, uh, on the uh, on the print folk side, when Pierre-Luc Dubois was skipped for a couple of rotations. Uh, didn't have a shift from, I think, 4.06 until, you know, mm-hmm. there were about 8, 10 minutes left, maybe 10 and a half, maybe closer to 8. Uh, he was under the weather, sick. So, I mean, he did get out late, got an assist on the Shifley, uh, you know, late goal, the extra attacker goal. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Jets were not their sharpest. Uh, one thing, Sean, you know, in addition to maybe their, you know, their aggression getting the best of them, I thought that they had trouble on their forecheck, at least in the first period. Uh, especially in the last five to six minutes when Vegas really took it to them in terms of the shot uh, shot clock. Uh, the Jets were did a little better job, as you mentioned, of sort of trying to go at some of the call-ups on the back end for Vegas. But uh, boy, oh boy, uh, man, Chandler Stevenson getting the speed going. Uh, you asked Rick Bonus directly, and you know one of the plays he referenced without mentioning Neil Pionk by name, Chandler Stevenson just blew by him on that one break. I mean... Uh, Riley Smith had a breakaway as well uh, that Connor Hellbuck was able to turn aside. But the Jets were a little bit sluggish in terms of their defensive responsibilities, their high guy. And, you know, it's something they got to do better. They got to tighten things up. There's no doubt. Uh, you mentioned, too, that the scoring has been up, but their defensive play has been a little bit lackluster. And, you know, Connor Hellbuck is the backbone of this NHL, you know, this Jets team, this NHL team. He's been one of the Vesna leaders, but. He was a little bit off tonight. I think he was screened on several of those oh, goals. Oh, yeah. He was screened, but there were, were a couple he would like probably to have back. Uh, a couple of big, juicy rebounds that uh, were able to be converted. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Jets did not play their best. They did a nice job of getting the you know first goal from Mark Scheife. They went up 4-3, but they were unable to hold the lead against a team that uh, was banged up a little bit and still found a way to get it done. Just the second time this year, I know some folks will have the pitchforks out. Uh, but for me, I mean, the Jets losing, it's just like you said, I mean, a little bit of, te- this season needed some tension for the Jets. I'm sure, you know, Rick Bonus isn't in there saying losses are good, but uh, I think we're learning, we're going to learn something about the Jets on Thursday, right? So on Thursday, the Jets will play another team that is banged up on the back end. They will play a divisional opponent that is a little bit up and down. Uh, their Vesna Trophy candidate, is rocking a 306 goals against average and a lackluster save percentage. Sean, in UC Saros, who's been unbelievable now the last couple of seasons, he's been struggling. Um, and we'll see how he... But he's a guy that can steal games. So the Jets, they don't want to lose three in a row. This is only the second time they've lost two in a row. So let's see how they respond this time. I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but lots to learn about the Jets. Uh, next test is Thursday. Um, sorry, I just I'm gonna get this because I can see where this is trending. Ryan Friesen, you're calling other people out as fake fans in the room. Figure it out. We're not doing that. 
you don't attack other fans in the chat room. That's not what this space is about. Like, seriously, bud, figure it out. Find a way to interact with people in here in a calm and respectful way or or you're gone. But, um, hey, get to uh, the lamplighter, my man. What was your lamplighter on the night? Yeah, for me, I think it's the power play goal by Shifley. Uh, it's the cross-ice feed, just a, a sensational pass by Kyle Connor. I, you know, somebody said up top it was very, it was kind of reminiscent of a Wheeler to line a one-timer and great shot by Shifley. There was not a lot of room on the blocker side of Aiden Hill. Uh, that was an outstanding, uh, you know, one-timer and he ripped it and Hill could not do anything about it. Uh, that was a great pass and an excellent finish by someone who is now up to 18 goals on the season, Sean. That's his sixth career hat trick. And, you know, Mark Stifley continues to deliver. Uh, I thought, you know, I think people said the Dubois line was not really rolling the way we've seen them go a lot this year. Uh, I thought that Shifley was rolling, Perfetti was rolling. Uh, Blake Wheeler had a couple of chances. But uh, overall, I think that that was a brilliant pass on the power play. And the, the, the combination platter of the pass and the finish uh, makes that my lamplighter of the game. Um, you know what I think was my lamplighter of the game, and I'm going to get into this because uh, we, we talked Please about do. this a little earlier on, but that first goal of the game is subtly a brilliant, gritty goal from Mark Shifley sure. that a lot of people wouldn't really give him the credit for. Uh, and sorry, I'm just going to do this before. Uh, sorry. Um, so, okay, so it goes to the back. Uh, it goes to the back end. One. Is there maybe anyone at this stage, given the assists that he's been putting up and the amount of times those assists have come just like that from shots from the point, is there anyone who is getting the puck to the net as dangerous with not the blast shot, but just like the the wrister to the net than Josh Morrissey is right now? So, A, getting him the puck in that situation, I don't know why, but they win that draw. Blake Wheeler gets it over to Josh Morrissey. And right away I'm thinking danger because I'm so used to Josh Morrissey making something happen in these situations. But Mark Shifley wins that draw. And then what he does is he sees a defender there. And you'll notice he doesn't go to try and park himself in front of the net. He sees the defender and he skates at the defender and he pushes the defender out of the shooting lane. So he uses his body to take the player who's in a position to stop the puck from getting uh, getting the puck to the net and pushes him out of the way to clear the, the shooting lane, then rolls on him, puts his back to him, creating a fence so that the, that player can't get there to defend that. And in creating that fence, opens up his stick for Josh Morrissey to hit. Josh Morrissey throws it on net. And it is one of those those deflections, Ken, that it's like, you know, this is, again, I love using this word, but it's cerebral. Like, this is a deflection that entirely changes direction. This is what Mark Shifley is trying to do. He's trying to take that puck, which is heading towards, I, I believe it was the goaltender's glove side, and totally throw it going the other way at his blocker side, and he pulls it off. I love that goal because it's the kind of goal that Mark Shifley is capable of and has been capable of for most of his career because he's big, because he's strong, because he's got hockey IQ, because he's got great hands. But we haven't seen a lot of that kind of goal from him because he scores most of his goals how he scored the second and third goal of the game where he kind of finds quiet ice and tries to get lost and then get up the path. I don't have a problem with that kind of goal 
But I also think that those kind of goals start to disappear more and more in the playoffs. I can't think of how many times a puck got passed to someone way on the wing and put in the back of the net in the playoffs last year or in the later rounds of the playoffs. I don't remember it happening once in that uh, uh, series that you and I covered in the Stanley Cup final between the Colorado Avalanche and the, uh, excuse me, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So the ability to score the kind of goals that he scored the first time, I think, bodes well for Mark Shifley, A, in his chase for 50 goals, which he's on pace for at this stage, because you heard everyone talk about Alex Ovechkin. He doesn't just score on the one-timer. He goes and he gets those gritty goals. I love seeing Mark Shifley score those gritty goals because he's good at it. He, I'd like to see him do it more often. Uh, but B, I just take a look at that play, and that is three guys entirely on the same page. You know, Mark Shifley wins the draw. Uh, Blake Wheeler knows exactly where to get the puck to. Josh Morrissey knows how to hold on to that puck long enough for Shifley to do what he does. And when Shifley does it, he puts the puck where only Shifley can get his stick on it. And Shifley creates a scenario where only he can get his stick on it. Brilliant play. I love it. That's the lamplighter. And hey, if you want to get in on the lamplighter action, just let us know what your lamplighter of the game was. And you'll be entered for a chance to win a frosty, delicious eight pack of Trans Canada Brewing Company lamplighter amber ale. Just tell us what your goal of the game is, your lamplighter of the game, and you will be entered to win the lamplighter amber ale eight pack. And if you can't wait for us to hand that out, well, head on down to TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston. That's where you go for that. That's where we're going to be going, Ken. I'm so excited <laughs> this Sunday for the Kenny and Rennie Christmas party. I'm looking forward to it. I'm pumped up. You need to know January 21st. If you didn't get in on this one, we're going to do it all over again, except it's going to be a Saturday night, which means people are going to get that much more out of control, I am sure. Uh, on the 21st. So start marking that off on your calendar. And now it's time to announce our Lamplighter winner from last show. And the Lamplighter winner in the chat room was Donnie Boy. I don't think I've seen Donnie Boy in here yet. So Donnie Boy, you are officially on the clock to claim your eight pack of TransCanada Brewing Company Lamplighter Amber Ale. Delicious and frosty. You just got to direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name. Unless your last name is Boy, I'm thinking it's Donald something. That's my guess. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I need your full name and I need an email for me to send you the voucher so you can claim your frosty, delicious lamplighter amber ale. Congratulations, Donnie Boy, but you got to get the job done before you can celebrate. Ken, let's move it along and go for our Johnson Group Got You Covered play of the game. Yeah, for me, it's the it's the penalty that you know, you talked about it with Rick Bonus, the ability to get to the net and create chaos. So for me, it was the David Gustafson getting to the net and forcing Alec Martinez to take the slashing minor, uh, which led to the Mar- Shifley one-timer goal that gave the Jets their last lead in this game at four to three. Uh, it was an interesting night for Gustafson, obviously having to move to the wing. Uh, We know he's willing and able to play anywhere, but he's a guy who's played center for a really long time, and he was asked to move to the wing after the recall of Kevin Stenland. We'll get into that in a little bit, but to me, uh, Gustafson once again showing his smarts, doing what he does, makes small, little, subtle plays that don't necessarily end up on the score sheet but have an impact in the game. And that play there by Gustafson to get to the net and draw the penalty that led to the go-ahead goal from Mark Shifley is my we've got you covered play of the game brought to you by the OGs at the Johnston Group. 
Oh, this is something I should bring up here. Uh, Tico Napoli. I don't know what tickets. Uh, oh, the, for the Tico ne- for the show. Well, you needed to you needed to message me and let me know. That's uh, that's what we've been saying. So you know what, Tico Napoli, if you want to come on the twenty first, that would be great. Uh, we've been sold out number on this show. Uh, it's uh, I guess the the lesson here is make sure you don't wait. If you want to come on the twenty first, get a hold of me. Let me know. There's no time to waste. I mean, it's only you know five weeks away. So uh, if you want to get in on that action and make sure you don't miss out on that, uh, make sure you message message me or Ken, and we'll hook you up to make sure that you get in the next time around. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm all on board with what you got going on there, Ken. Uh, and of course that's the we've got you covered play by the johnson group the kenny and rennie ogs and you won't find two businesses with the same challenges but you will find thirty thousand businesses with chambers plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at johnson group chambers plan is canada's number one benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live the plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy rates keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues, and Teladoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. And thank you so much, as always, to the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the Johnson Group. Before we go on, Cambrian Credit Union is going to be giving away in this show, we've got another scavenger hunt, the third of their new launch. They gave away Jets tickets once. They gave away Moose tickets another time. And they're going to give away another pair of Moose tickets. I've got a scavenger hunt coming up for you closer to the end of the show. So stick around for that if you want to win tickets. And just so that we know this, Rob Mahoney, if you're out there and listening, you won the tickets last time. you got to direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds so I can pass along your information to the fine people at Cambrian Credit Union. And they will hook you up with the Moose tickets of your choice. Okay, so Rob Mahoney, if anyone knows out there knows Rob Mahoney, if he's not in the show right now, get a hold of him. He's got tickets just burning a hole in someone's pocket at Cambrian Credit Union. Uh, it's a fire hazard there. They got to get it out of there. So, Rob, uh, get going there. Um, okay, Ken, let's move on. Uh, I just want to get your quick thoughts on Connor Hellebuck's night. Uh, uh, yeah, I didn't particularly think he was all that sharp. But like I said, I think there were a couple of instances where there were screens, uh, self-inflicted screens. I think one of the... Uh, late one-timers, both Sandberg and Neil Pionk were screening him. Uh, I thought that the the coverage got a little bit off in certain instances. I didn't like a couple of the rebounds that jumped out. Um, I can assure you that I mean Connor Hellebuck hates to lose as it is, but Sean, this is how much <laughs> you want to know how much Connor Hellebuck hated the game this evening himself. He was out of the building by 9:55. When Marat and I were walking back down the hallway, Connor Hellebuck was already going to his car. So it was a quick shower and an early exit. Uh, so to me, that, that shows me that he was unhappy, both with the result and probably with his own, own play. He holds himself to an incredibly high standard. Uh, I think he probably wouldn't have been happy with what transpired in the game. They had two leads. Obviously, the Jets battled back on a couple of occasions as well. Uh, I just didn't think that Connor wasn't sharp. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Uh, I wouldn't say he was, you know, exceptionally poor, but, I mean, he allowed five on 32 shots and a couple, like I said, I did. there were a couple goals that he he wouldn't have liked knowing his intensity level, Sean. 
Uh, what did you What did you see from him? I, I just think that he was a little bit off. I don't think it was uh, a terrible performance by any stretch. I just think he was a little bit off. Um, I didn't. I thought earlier in the game he wasn't tracking the puck as well. There were a couple of plays where I, I wouldn't say he was guessing. It just seemed as though his reads were just slightly off. Uh, one of the plays that I think of was, you know, it seemed uh, the, one of the blocks that William Carrier got knocked uh, a shot. I think it was from Ben Hutton in his arm, and Connor seemed to be going the like a little bit to the other side. So uh, I don't, yeah, you know, like I said, I don't think he was sharp. But Sean, we've seen that Connor Hellbuck before, and what you generally see in the next game is a laser focused and dialed in Connor Hellebuck, and I would expect him to be pretty much lights out on Thursday against the Nashville Predators. Just before we, we get too far here, or I think I'm having problems with uh, you hear me, Ken? Yeah, here, you, you, T. Pauly, I know second, that, but... that uh, you're trying to get a hold of me. T. Pauly, just it sounds like you got lots of friends on this show. Just have them direct message me, uh, and then uh, that way we'll take care of that. I'm not going to broadcast my number on the show here right now, even though there's someone from my hockey team who's threatening to do so. Well, you can also email cool. either one of us. <laughs> my, my, my email is on Twitter, yeah, too. Yeah, sure. T. Konopoli, if you need it, just There you out. go. There you go. Okay. Um, hey, to your point, like uh, a mad Connor Hellebuck is a good Connor Hellebuck. Oh, That's a good course, thing heading yes. into the next game. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Um, like this should tell you just how good Connor Hellebuck is at most times is that like those two goals that he allows tonight. So the, the March or so goal on the power play and the first goal of the game are goals that like I was, it was a head scratcher and I was thinking what happened here? And I was watching the replays trying to see, I think there was a little bit of a screen, but even in a situation like that, I can't remember whether there were little screens or, or not. I can't remember Connor Hellebuck allowing goals like that. And that says something about Connor Hellebuck because most goalies, even really good goaltenders for your team are let in stinkers. You know what I mean? And I thought those were two stinker goals. Yeah. The one I didn't like in particular was how he played the cross ice pass by Stevenson right. to Mark Stone. Yeah. I think it was just a matter of, I think Stevenson kind of maybe even might've even fanned on the pass to be quite frank, but Hellebuck was in between on which way he should put his paddle down. Like it was one of those where he kind of over pursued Stevenson but then he was unable to get his stick in the lane. Uh, so that was just one of those where it was a little bit off. And, he, and even the one, uh, the shot that trickled through his five hole that yeah. Stevenson was almost, it, it was just went too far down below the goal line. So to me, it was just, there were a couple of things where he wasn't quite as sharp. Maybe there was a little bit more of an opening than we're used to seeing. Uh, I think there was probably a screen on the goal by Mira Manoff, but even then that was, it was from distance. I mean, Connor generally reacts in time, even if that yes. did go through the guy's legs. Well, that had a little a, bit of this action to it, that's right? What I mean, like it may it have hit the defenseman's stick, maybe. I don't, yeah. It just dipped. It was just a, like I said, those are, when Hellebuck is dialed in and right, in quotation marks, or Wade Flaherty would say he's right or in the zone, or whatever way you want to use, or whatever phrase you want to use, those are pucks that he stops. Uh, he wasn't quite as economical or as big and boring as we have seen in recent weeks and months Connor Hellbuck has been the Jets pl best player so the there are going to be nights like this and they are rare and Jets fans should never ever forget how rare they are and don't <laughs> point the finger at the goaltender um, 
or think that it's suddenly going to mean uh, you know things are going to fall off the rails for Connor Hellebuck. That simply uh, isn't the case. Look at his body of work; it's been excellent. And you know sometimes everyone needs their teammate to pick them up. And today the Jets were not able to pick up Connor Hellebuck when he did not have his best. There have been plenty of nights when the Jets have not had their best, and Hellebuck has kind of erased some of the uh, negativity that has happened in front of him. Well, I just got to say, I mean, it stood out tonight, and the reason it stands out is because he is so ironclad. He rarely ever lets in goals like that. And I I still think in a situation like this, he had his chance to put a mark on the game. Like it, like I'd said, out of the first five shots of the game, I think there were four high-grade scoring opportunities where people got in behind the defensemen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and he stopped a lot of those. So, like, this is, you know, people are saying – yeah, and I hate that game. I hate the, oh, well, we hit the post. It could have been a totally different game. Like I, ha- I hate that it could have totally been a different game. And I know r- r- coaches like to say that, and I get why they say it, because they're trying to keep their players engaged and be like, well, no, it, that game's not as bad as you think. But I hate that game because, like, if you think about this tonight, the way that Connor Hellebuck was stopping pucks and in tight chances, that could have been a nine-goal game against the Winnipeg Jets. The way things were going, if they, the way that they scored six, so Connor Hellebuck still gave the Jets an opportunity in this game and bailed them out in a lot of the parts of the game where they weren't high. So he demands perfection of himself. He wasn't perfect tonight. He was far from perfect on a couple of plays. You talked about uh, him cheating on that one play. I think that's what happened with the March so goal on the power play, which was an important goal, right? Like it's, it looks like he's cheating to kind of cover the far post, expecting a pass. And you could see, you could see it in Marchessault's recognition. All of a sudden, he had the puck, and he he looked like he had no intention of shooting. And then all of a sudden, you could see in that moment he saw something, and then just whipped that puck. And boom, it was in the net. So that, I mean, that's a goal scorer's goal where you just notice something is off about the way the goaltender is playing something and throw it in there. And he caught Connor Hellebuck, no doubt about it. Connor Hellebuck doesn't get caught often, but I think it's this is even on a night where Connor Hellebuck gets caught. He, he still gives his team an opportunity to be in that game and win that game. So I don't think there's anything that can be said about Connor Hellebuck uh, and being upset with the way that he plays. Uh, before we go on, I want you to give a shout-out to our main man, Sweet Lou. Yes, sir. For all of the folks either watching live on YouTube or listening on the podcast, if you are in the market for anything that is real estate-related, if you're buying, if you're selling, if you're looking for values in your neighborhood or a neighborhood you may be considering moving to, uh, you can contact our main man, Lou Ferlin, at Royal LePage Dynamic Realty. His number, 204-791-9971, or the office line, 204-989-5000. Lou's email, lou at louferlin.ca. That's lou at l-o-u-f-u-r-l-a-n.ca, and it's www.louferlin.ca. Lou's a, a great supporter of athletics in this community. He is an unbelievable realtor and all-around great human being so if you're looking for anything in the real estate market lose your guy helping you is what we do and tell them the kenny and rennie sent you Looks like we may have lost Sean as well. So uh, some folks have been asking about uh, Carson Kuhlman. Uh, He was picked up on waivers by the Jets today from the Seattle Kraken. And 
I've been doing a little research on them during the course of the day. And what we were able to find out about Carson Kuhlman is he is a energetic forward. I think he's about 5'10". Um, plays hard, plays with a lot of energy. I would say, oh, there you are. You're back, Sean. Good stuff. Yeah, sorry. Welcome back. No, I don't know okay. what's going on with this. Connection's yeah. a little tight, so no worries. Uh, just talking about Carson Kuhlman here. He's, I would say he's probably a similar player to Dominic Toninato. Uh, Right-handed version. He can play the wing. He can play center. Uh, maybe, you know, people have asked, is he, you know, what, what kind of skater is he? You know, they asked around a little bit. I would say he's not a burner. I would say maybe, you know, I'm not sure he's a great skater, but I don't think he's slow either. Uh, he's a guy that can, you know, I'm not sure how he is in the face-off circle. We'll have a quick look at that here before the show is over. But, um, you know, somebody that I talked to said he'd be, you know, kind of an ideal kind of 13th forward. Uh, we know that uh, Rick Bonus has not been thrilled with the fourth line. He made those uh, comments quite clear prior to the game today. And, you know, I don't think Kuhlman will jump in immediately. I think if Kevin Stenland may have struggled tonight, maybe he would have gone in on yeah. Thursday. But I would say yeah. that uh, based on the game that uh, Stenland had. Sorry, and, he, and one last thing about him. He's a very high-character individual. He played four years at the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs. Two of those years, Sean, he was an alternate captain. Uh, one of those years, Dominic Toninato was the captain. And when Dominic Toninato graduated, Sean, he became the captain of the UMD Bulldogs. So a uh, guy who's been a leader uh, in the past. He's a high-character individual and, you know, kind of a guy that can bounce between being the 12th or 13th forward. And we'll see where things go. Axel janssen Fialbi was the healthy scratch today. Uh, and that meant that, you know, Sam Gagne was kind of on notice. I thought Sam responded with the, with a big effort. You know, it's an important goal for him. I thought he was a little bit more involved in the game. Uh, that was his first fourth goal of the year, but first in he had broken 18-game drought. That's a long time. Uh, you could tell by his reaction and celebration that it meant a lot to him. Uh, he was a little bit dismissive of, of when I asked him directly about Stenland being recalled and put in, and when a player is placed on waivers or picked up on waivers what it means to those others in the competition he said hey he had basically said you are <laughs> you are as a player in that situation you're always trying to help the team win so you can't worry or basically sam said john tell me if i'm wrong sam basically said i can't afford to be looking over my shoulder yeah. i have to be cognizant of there being competition for me but i can't waste any time looking over my shoulder and worrying about someone trying to steal my job because there's been someone trying to steal my job for the last 10 years or so so i actually kind of like the answer it wasn't exactly what i was looking for necessarily uh, but i like the answer that he gave uh, and then quickly on stenland some folks have been asking i actually quite liked stenland's game um like I said, I was a bit surprised that he was used at center, but you know, Rick Bonus has been unhappy with the with the with the uh, faceoffs. Fifty-seven percent uh, for Kevin Stenlin this evening in the circle. I thought he made some really smart plays. He had some really good cycle shifts. Uh, he was very patient with the puck uh, behind the net on a couple occasions. Kept a couple cycles going. You know, he's he's a big body. He doesn't play overly physical, uh, but I liked his game. I thought he was moving around pretty well. We know that he had a knee injury last year that required surgery i asked him this morning if he felt as though he had his legs back and he he has felt really solid with the manitoba moose he had a really good start to the season there and i thought he made you know i thought he earned himself another chance sean he's talked about this all year long when players have played well generally they've stayed in the lineup i think he did enough to stay in the lineup at a time when the jets were looking for more on that fourth line 
Uh, in terms of Kuhlman, when he's going to get in, we'll have to see about that, and we'll see what he brings. He's a guy that hasn't brought a lot of offense uh, in terms of his game. I know at the American League level, I think he had one year where uh, you know there was a du- double-digit goal-scoring year with the Providence Bruins back in 2018-19, 12 goals, 30 points in 58 games. But you know, even in college, two years where he was a double-digit goal scorer, but you know, never more than 22 points in 40 games. So he's not going to be the answer in terms of producing a lot of offense, but he's a guy that plays hard and is maybe going to provide some energy. So again, this is just a kind of one other one of those band-aid solutions as the Jets try to you know, you know circle through uh, some of those guys in the competition. Um, in terms of Axel Janssen Fialbi, yes, he's fast, but he hasn't been getting a whole lot. Uh, accomplished in terms of the offensive game and I thought it was quite telling uh, that in recent days he hasn't been used on the penalty kill I mean he's the guy who you know one of the reasons they said they brought him over is because Scott O'Neill had used him in the penalty kill situation he's done it for a bit of this year but not as much recently so I'm not saying he's out of favor but I'm saying that uh, his job is is in you know I think his job overall is in danger I'm not sure he's in danger being waived anytime soon the Jets don't have any players coming back in the you know short term here so uh, but he definitely needs to provide a little bit more it's either got to be better offense or better retrievals or you know we know he provides speed but I mean we'll see what he can do uh, in the in the big picture here and somebody asking here 510 is okay if he can scrap scrap like Rick Rippon you know 21 career penalty minutes for Carson Kuhlman. So uh, I am not expecting him to be dropping the gloves anytime soon. This is a guy who doesn't take a lot of penalties uh, going back to 2014, 15. Um, So I I don't think, I mean, that leads me to believe, you know, that he's not an overly physical presence, Uh, but, you know, we'll see what he has. And if it doesn't work out for him, then he'll be back on waivers. So, um, we'll see what happens in that front. What do you think of Stenlin, Sean? I mean, he's a guy that I noticed out there anyway today. Well, first, I just got to say, I think you got some popcorn shrimp crumbs on your face there because that Sorry was one. That. that was one heck of a trip to the buffet there. That's good stuff, though. That's what we're here for. We like that. Look, if people are upset with uh, with Stenlin tonight, I don't know what more you're asking for. I mean, this is a player who's you know come up, gets an assist in his first game. I didn't think he looked out of place at all. I think he gave you everything that you were looking for. He seemed to really, really know the Jets system, and of course, he's going to know the system because you know the Manitoba moose on operate under the same uh system so that when players come up it's easy to just plug and play but boy oh boy plug and play is easier than it sounds there was a number of times where ken what what rick bonus had said that has been this team's problem lately the three the three f being down a little bit too low not being on the high side of the guy from what i saw tonight he was always on the high side of his guy he came in and played the defensive game i thought that rick bonus won from him to a t still find a way to contribute offensively create some havoc in the in the offensive zone he's just another one in a long line of these players who steps up at the right time uh and makes makes it happen here uh so i don't have an issue with that coolman i i gotta say this boy oh boy whoever the scout is who goes and and uh is it is in Duluth looking at players. Yeah. He needs to get a bonus because he has turned how many players off that team into Winnipeg Jets with his suggestions for this team. And you can see 
I love I love Rick Bonus's honesty in situations like this. And one one area where we saw that was with Axel Janssen Fialbi. <laughs> I asked him about Axel Janssen Fialbi and like how he had you know like the confidence to bring him in, and he's like. I didn't know anything about the guy. Arneal did. Arneal said he'd be great in the system, so you got to trust your guy. So here he comes, right? Well, this is another situation. He knows nothing about uh, Carson Kuhlman. Absolutely nothing. Uh, but he trusts the scouts. He's going to figure out what he has here, try and see where he can put him. To me, this move is just another sign that the Jets aren't taking the big swing that you want, Ken. And I, I would argue the majority of the people in our chat room want as well. I think they want action. I spent some time on Twitter earlier on today. People know my stance on this, and I had to defense my, defend my <laughs> stance on it. This is just another sign to me that they're saving everything up for the big swing at the trade deadline, which I I think they should do. So I, again, <laughs> bad mood, Good. Blake, with I'm the glad. beauty right there. I was actually looking at Kenny's face for popcorn shrimp crumbs. That's a good one. That's a good one, folks. There we go. Uh, they were, they were serving it in the press box. Tonight. In- <laughs> um, <clears throat> But, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what we're going to see from them, but I'm confident enough in Rick Bonus, Rick Bonus's system, his uh, analysis of players, that he's going to find a way to use them properly. I mean, Sam Gagne is a player that I know there's, you know, I, I know very specific people in the chat room who haven't liked Sam Gagne and don't like uh, what he's done here. And yet Sam Gagne tonight, as he did in other nights, has found a way to put his imprint on the game at specific times. Rick Bonus says he likes timely scoring. Well, he's come out with timely scoring time and time and time again. Did it win them the game tonight? No, it didn't. But what what you're like, remember this. Sam Gagne is a league minimum player, right? Like they brought him in. What are you expecting? Like, are you expecting to run a company and have the guy that you pay the least to be the guy that makes, you know, creates all the company success? He's not paid to create all the success. He's done what he's, what he's getting paid for. He's done already that now that doesn't mean that there's a space to move him out and move other players in. And you know what? I'm still listening to the argument of whether or not people should bring someone in right now. I'm not panicking that the jets just lost two games because they lost two games against a Washington team that is, you know, has the wherewithal to pull off a game like that and a game tonight where a, the Jets had some sickness in the room there. Now, let's not discount what the Vegas Golden Knights are going through. But let's say this. Can the Vegas Golden Knights came rolling through last year and they were a garbage fire. So what what has been done with them and the turnaround that they've had under Bruce Cassidy. Well, a lot of injuries, have, though, too, right? They had a lot of injuries when they rolled through town. They For sure. But I, well, I didn't like what I saw from that team. This is a team that had a lot of injuries here tonight as well. We know that their their season was waylaid by injuries last year. But I didn't like what I was seeing by the end from Pete DeBoer's Vegas Golden Knights. I liked what I saw. And you know what, Ken? We never talked about it before the show. I actually wanted to have the conversation with you. But I wanted to see from the Vegas Golden Knights what they looked like challenged when they're injury strapped because what you'll see from good teams is that they'll still play to a structure and they may not capitalize as much on goals but they'll play to a structure and I thought Vegas achieved that structure they were a hard team to beat tonight no matter who was in the lineup because they're playing the right way that's been the Winnipeg Jets this year with their bottom six and the way that they've been able to roll players in and out of the lineup so I thought it was a good battle between those two uh those two teams um I I I I, I still am okay with where the Winnipeg Jets are at. They've only lost two games. I'm not ringing the alarm bell. I know a lot of people out there are. 
they're in a good spot. Yeah, they got passed by uh, the Dallas Stars tonight, but they've got two games in hand. Yeah, they lost a game on the Vegas Golden Knights. They still have three games in hand. If they win those next three games in hand, they're still tied for first in the conference. So, like, let, I don't know. I'm not going to tell people to pump no, the brakes. have some perspective. Uh, That's yeah, the point. Yeah, that, there's no reason to panic here right now. They're going to get into Christmas. They're in a tough grind of the schedule. Let's see what they look like after that. And then we're that much closer to Nick Ehlers coming back. And by the way, had a conversation. Uh, sounds like Nick Ehlers is about to get on the ice oh, right away. What he said on Can, the post game with Sarah. Uh, yeah, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah talked with uh, talked with me, and uh, so it sounds like he's about to get on the ice. They're not going to rush him back with that injury. But when I ran into him at the airport when he was going down to Detroit for surgery, he told me it was supposed to be six weeks. I'm sure that's an optimistic player saying I could be back as early right. as six weeks. Maybe it could be a little bit longer. But I'm in no uh, area to panic right now. I like what I'm seeing. I like what I saw from Stenland. Jansen Harkins, we should talk about him because he had another great night here tonight. But we should get into some of our things we got to do here. Let's get into our home field comment of the game. Uh, this is, Dig deeper. Um, yes, okay. Uh, sorry, yeah. Ho- home field, uh, let's bring this up. But the, the, We're looking for dig deeper comments here. I like this one by Rob Somerville because I think this is the heart of what's plagued the Jets the last couple of games. Rob Somerville says, I'm curious as to how the Vegas players were able to so easily get in behind the Jets forwards and defense. Even for a team that has, you know, like the, the, the pinching off a little bit in the 3F, uh, a little bit too low, Ken, that was the explanation that we got from their head coach. I still thought it happened far too often and was surprised the Jets weren't able to adjust in-game to stop it from happening. You expect it to happen two or three times. It just seemed like it was happening almost at will for points of the game. Finishing off Rob Somerville's comments here, the Knights definitely know how to execute the stretch pass to perfection. I thought the perfect example of that was the stone pass to, was it Marcheseau who Pionk got the high stick on? Uh, he got in behind him or was it Carlson? I can't remember which of those two players Pionk took the penalty on, but that created the uh, uh, the power play that ended up in uh, the goal that kind of broke this game open. So great comment here Kessel, by Rob. I think it was Kessel, wasn't it? Oh, was it Kessel? I'll I thought I thought I thought it was Marcheso again. Um, anyway, Rob Somerville, you win the dig deeper comments of the game. As it was Kessel, okay. As sponsored by Homefield, uh, Ken, you want to give them a bit of a shout out? Yes, you bet. Homefield for marketing and more. You could reach them at myhomefield.ca. That's www.myhomefield.ca for marketing and more. Great to have them on board. Let's get into this now because we've got 14 minutes. We got to get these. Yeah, we got to get these uh, the the last of this in. So Cambrian, if you haven't noticed, they've launched a new website, a new online banking, and it is absolutely great. Super easy to use. Ken and I know that because we are both members of Cambrian Credit Union, uh, and uh, we do our banking with them. We've got mortgages with them. Uh, super easy to use these new uh, tools. And in launching their new website, they wanted to have a little bit of a celebration on Kenny and Randy. So they already gave away Jets tickets. They already gave away Moose tickets. Rob Mahoney, you got to get a hold of me. Um, they now want to give away one last pair of Moose tickets to a Moose game of your choice. In order to do that, you got to go on a scavenger hunt. And this will be the final scavenger hunt. And what you need to do is name one of Cambrian's five core values found on the mission page at cambrian.mb.ca. So go to cambrian.mb.ca, go to their mission page, 
and there are five correct answers. You just got to give us one of the five. Throw it in the chat room. First one to do it is going to win those Moose tickets. Ken, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Jets' ability to get to the front of the net, how they created all their offense tonight, other than that last Shifley goal. Give me, I'm going to cruise the uh, comment section here. You give me your thoughts on how they're pulling that off. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously that had something to do with the players that were out in, you know, out of the Vegas lineup. But it, there was a will. There was a willingness to get to the blue paint for sure. Uh, Rick Bonus wasn't thrilled about it early, but I think the Jets were much better at it in the second and third periods for sure. Uh, Braden McNabb is a guy who makes it awfully tough to get to the front of the Just net. Just hold on one second. Ding, Already ding, ding. Had, oh, I, hey, I wish I had my gong Tremendous. in the background, but T. Mackey got there faster than everybody. Lightning. Oh, wait. Hold on a sec. No, Rob Mahoney. God. No, Ian Bloomberg. Uh, let me just make sure I get this right. Okay, Ian Bloomberg is first in with... No, tr trust is not in there. Um, so that is not the right answer. So then we move to Rob Mahoney, who already has tickets and has won them again. He is quick on the draw with integrity and honesty. Cameron Credit Union... They have five core values. Those core values are integrity and honesty, member-focused, competitive, community involvement, and innovative spirit. Rob Mahoney, you got to get a hold of me because you have – what a trigger finger on this guy. Man, hey, Rob I'm Mahoney, fired. way to go. Uh, I thought that T. Mackey had it here at first, but just beat out by Rob Mahoney. Uh, great job, Rob. you got to get a hold of me. Send a direct message to SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your information. I'm going to pass it along. And now you've got four tickets to uh, two separate pairs of tickets to a game of your choice to go see the Manitoba Moose play. Congratulations. And we really appreciate you being there back then when we handed the first pair out and still being here, Rob Mahoney. We have a ton of appreciation for you and all the Kenny and Randy chat room users like you who uh, are always spending your time with us. We really appreciate it. Ken, continue on with the way the Jets are, are getting a ton of their offense this year by getting players to the front of the net. How are they carving out that space? Yeah, I mean, it's just willingness, right? I mean, it's a mentality and a willingness. And I think what we saw, you know, one of the great examples, Dylan Sandberg's shot that was tipped in by Sam Gagne. Uh, Oh, sorry, that was Dylan uh, with the shot, I think. Right? Sorry, what do we got here? What do we got here? Sam Gagne. Yeah, Brendan Dylan took that one. Brendan Dylan. Sam it was, Gagne. It was also, the same. Or, uh, you know, Dylan Sandberg also had a the similar play, right? Where a floater, yeah. But boy, oh boy, let, let's. I mean, one of the things that that it's is working right now is I talked about Josh Morrissey's ability to get that puck mm -hmm. through and the Jets clearing a lane for him. But Dylan Sandberg pulled that same shimmy shake yep. move that he got his first NHL goal with the other game to open up that that uh, shooting lane. That's a that's a big league shimmy shake he's starting yeah. to show there because you could see the defender got absolutely thrown for a loop on that. M me thinks, Ken, this is going to be a shimmy and shake that is going to bring the Jets and Dylan Sandberg success for a lot of years to come. Yeah, no doubt about that. It's something that he needs to have in his game and uh, what we should say, too, that was on the Morgan Barron goal that Samberg was able to get that cooking. And it was tipped on the way in by Adam Lowry. Originally, we thought it was a direct shot, and then Barron stuck with it and buried his own rebound. But it also touched Lowry on the way in. Um, Adam Lowry now up to seven goals and 18 points in 28 games. So uh, I hate to say I told you so, but for all the folks that were saying Adam Lowry's a fourth-line player, I have not heard that very often this year, and for good reason. It's because he isn't one. Uh, he is doing what he needed to do, which was produce more offense in that checking line role, and he has held up his end of the bargain 
uh, and then some this year with his production that's been going along with his physical play. Manny had a couple of big hits again today, Sean, on the forecheck and, you know, doing a nice job. He led all Jets in the faceoff dot again today. I think he was at 63%. He won 12 out of 19. So uh, just a willingness, right? It becomes a mentality. The Jets know you're not going to score from distance overly often. Um, in the NHL, I mean, goalies are too good. You're going to have to have traffic. You're going to have to create chaos around the net, and they've shown a willingness to get to those areas. And once again, Sean, they can't just be a team that scores on the rush. So the job that they did getting to the blue paint is important, and it was it was very valuable for them on this evening. Uh, I'd like to shift gears to the defense here. I know we only have about well, eight minutes hold, left. Hold on. I just, wanna, and, I just yeah. want to throw a little something else in there. So one of the things that the Jets are having a lot of success at is they're throwing – they're throwing waves of potential uh, puck tips, right? So what they're doing is, especially when they have time to set up and they're firing that puck, they're getting a guy in the high slot with the potential to tip the puck, and they're getting a guy right down close in front of the net with the potential to tip the puck. And what it is is it's just a crazy amount of chaos because if you're the goaltender and you're focused in on the potential first guy tipping the puck, when it gets past that, your natural reaction is to start to prepare to get the shot. And then if the second layer of player trying to tip the puck gets that, there's no response to that, right? So it just creates all kinds of confusion. Um, and, and the other part about that is if you've got those two layers, it's two potential screens as well. So the, the Jets are getting not only to the hard area in front of the net, but the hard area in the high slot. And to me, it's just a simple matter. And this is one of the things where I kind of take – uh, contention with people who say like the Jets can't hang with bigger, stronger, fast teams is they're right now like what where it matters most to be big is to carve out that area in front of the net and in the slot. And the Jets are doing that because they're strong enough to do it, right? And like that's I think the main reason Lowry and Sacramento and those kind of players are having the success that they're having this year because they're just out muscling other players. And again, we saw Mark Shifley do it here tonight. Mark Shifley could always do it. We just didn't see him do it a lot. Blake Wheeler is maybe the Jets' best net front player this year. Well, at six foot five and 220, 25, 230, whatever he is, he's going to be a hard body to move. It's a commitment to getting to the front of the net that is creating that this year. But it's also the idea of like Pionk, if he gets a chance to shoot the puck, he's shooting the puck. Nate Schmidt, for the most part, he's doing it. Brendan Dillon, you saw him do it here tonight. Josh Morrissey, like I said, is maybe the best defenseman in the league at doing it right now. And Dylan Sandberg is breaking out this shimmy and shake that, you know, like I said, is going to be a key for this Jets team for years, I believe. That's five of your six defensemen. Now, I know Dylan DeMello hasn't scored in a really long time. He's not necessarily the guy who's doing that. But if you've got five of six defensemen who are able and and in a, a, a mindset to get that puck to the net and you've got strong forwards who are going to the net and creating havoc and creating space, you're going to get what you get. You usually don't get that many goals in a game, Ken, based on shots from the point, but the Jets are turning that shot from the point in nothing plays into a very, very dangerous tool this year. And it's something that, like, like this is what I'm talking about. I talked in the past about those kind of snake charmer goals that yeah. Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley always like to score. Those goals disappear in the playoffs. The kind of goals that you saw the Jets score tonight don't. And that's important because this... the. 
we all, we all want the Jets to have a great regular season, and clearly everyone's invested in them finishing first in the division, first in the conference. I know everybody wants that, and I know it it it, it makes their standings going into the playoffs really important. But to me, the style of play that I'm seeing, even in a loss tonight, is a style that can bring you success in the playoffs, whereas a lot of times in past years, it has always been my beef with the Jets, the style of play that they play, I don't think. The snake charmer route gives you success in the playoffs, so I like what I'm seeing. Ken, back to the defenses you wanted to talk about. Them. Yeah, it's, to me, back to the time where I think it's time for the Jets to mix up the pairings again, and this time I'm not saying to put Neil Pionk with Josh Morrissey. I think it's time to put Dylan Sandberg together with Neil Pionk. I think it's very important uh, for the Jets to reunite Nate Schmidt with Brendan Dillon. Uh, that's a pairing that had given them a lot of success. Uh, I know that they were split up to sort of try to spread the offense around a little bit. There were some issues for the, you know, the Schmidt Sandberg pairing this evening. Uh, that's going to happen on occasion. I'm sure it was one of those nights where Nate was a little extra jazzed to face his former team. Um, you know, there were some shifts, but those guys had a little bit of a tough go at times. Uh, that's two games in a row for Schmidt playing against a former team. So, you know, I'm sure things are going to probably settle down for him. I think he's had a much better start to the year this year. Um, I think that we've seen Dylan Sandberg play well with Neil Pionk before, and I know that there have been times where I haven't really thought that Neil Pionk has been on top of his game, but I thought lately we've been giving him plenty of credit, Sean, and praise for how he's played. Today I didn't think he was moving quite as well on the back end, especially backwards. Um, Obviously some people think that he's banged up and hurt, and that is certainly possible, but regardless, I think it's time to reunite Schmidt and Dylan on the back end and then put Pionk... Uh, with Dylan Sandberg, put the UMD connection together and then keep Morrissey and DeMello. Uh, but bigger picture, I mean, we've talked so much, Sean, about, about forwards uh, prior to the deadline. I'm still starting to wonder if maybe the Jets might be in on the market uh, for a defenseman at, at some point. I know that they will obviously have defensemen in the pipeline and they're probably going to have to use uh, one or two of them in order to... Um, get a player like a Bull Horvat or whatever forward they target, whether it's Ryan O'Reilly. I know a lot of people, Sean, have been asking us on Twitter or in private messages about people. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later on and down the road, but I think the Jets may have to look at a at a defenseman on the back end as well. I think, you know, for the most part, their defense has been better than last year, uh, but if the Jets want to win four rounds, they may have to consider uh, a defenseman unless they can stabilize things by shifting the pairings around. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know what? We should probably wrap this up. Do you have any quick? I've got some quick fire thoughts. Do you have any thoughts away. before we go? Um, I have lots of okay. thoughts, but I think we've been talking about a lot of them. Uh, one quick one. We talked about the fourth line, and I wrote about them for sportsnet.ca. I posted the link to the column in the chat room. Uh, but also it was an important game for that third line to contribute again. Morgan Barron uh, with the goal there. I thought he was you know moving around. Uh, that was an important job of getting to the net and sticking with it. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, Mark Scheifele was you know outstanding today. Uh, you know, it's not often that a guy you know takes a question and answer for about three and a half minutes and doesn't answer a question about his hat trick. But I, I don't yeah. think Mark was really that interested in talking about himself in a game where his team lost, so he wasn't asked about it. But uh, impressive effort. Mark is continuing. Kyle Connor said this to me recently, or in one of those scrums. Mark's ability to score in different ways. You talked about it. The deflection. You know, the one timer getting to the net. Uh, with that great backdoor pass with the extra attacker goal and the waning seconds of regulation. Um, three different ways of scoring, and I think that's an important quality for Mark. Obviously, we know they're going to continue to need him, and 
he's been excellent. You know, 18 goals on the season. You know, Josh Morrissey is leading all defensemen in assists now. We should mention that. Yes, you talked about the shot. That's his 27th assist, Sean. 27 assists is a career high for Josh Morrissey. <laughs> in his 28th game. Yeah, it's just absolutely <laughs> wild. And, boy, yeah, it's just it's something else. And his season continues to be very impressive. Uh, but overall, I thought that you know, Jets could have had. I mean, some people have been saying it. Some of the Jets snipers weren't at their best uh, this evening. I think that's fair, fair comment. But, you know, we'll see how they react and, you know, see how many of those folks are the ones who are impacted by the flu bug. But they're going to need a little bit more uh, when they play a hungry and desperate uh, Nashville Predators team on Thursday to wrap up this homestand. Yeah, I got. I I don't know where it is. Phil says she loves the reaction to Mike's post about tanking. Sean, I agree. I I'm gonna try and find this quick because I'm blown away by this. Um, there we go. Mike McDonald says, "Helly two below par games in a row, reverting back to a normal goalie. We can drop the Vesna talk now. It's <laughs> over. Tank hard for Bedard. <laughs> this is this spirals." Further and further and further out of control with every word. Like tank hard for Bedard. They're they're I think they're they're second in win percentage in the entire in the West, conference yes. right now. And it's like it would be hard to tank for Bedard at this stage. Like I don't know how you would like you'd basically just have to shut down everybody and lose almost every game going forward. Have you seen how bad the Chicago Blackhawks and and the Anaheim Ducks are right now? Like to to fall that far, they've almost climbed too high to possibly fall that far. Anyways, uh, I wanted to get some thoughts off. First off, Jansen Harkins. We haven't talked about him enough. Um, boy, oh boy, he has. Uh, I had a conversation with Brennan Dillon. Brennan Dillon talked about. Um, uh, Bones coming in, Rick Bonus coming in and demanding kind of like different identities out of players and one for Harkins was to be a third line kind of grinder, more that kind of player, third or fourth line grinder. Uh, uh, Brendan Dillon didn't think he took to that idea too much. He's a, a young player who wants to become uh, Mark Shifley. Rick Bonus knows that some guys, times guys can end up getting there, but the path for a lot of players, especially on a stack team, is to start out being a grinder and learn that kind of game. Think of like Marchand. Brad Marchand started off as a grinder, started getting better and better and better, and now he's tied with Shifley for the third most consecutive point per games in in the NHL. That that's how you get there, right? And I just think that Brendan Dillon said that he went down, handled it well, came back up, and has just really accepted his role and I think this is what you're seeing from Jansen Harkins when he can be focused into playing a very specific role can you you and I have seen him he puts a lot of work into his game uh when he was a forward out of the lineup he's always putting in the work he's doing the stuff he needs to to get back into the lineup he's focused that attention and that energy and I think it's paying off he had another great night tonight he's giving the Jets everything they could want from him right now in the role they're asking for him just touch on it quickly uh, to your point about Schmidt, I don't know if it was jitters uh, because maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, especially with the Vegas Golden Knights. I know he played in that tournament with the original Vegas Golden Knights. That, man, original that misfit. Original misfit. He had got that really nice catch that was all over the internet in that tournament in Vegas, that baseball tournament. So he's got ties that he has there. This kind of strikes me as being one of those situations where it's like that that love of your life that you never quite got over comes rolling in and you want to look good. You want to get a couple of Frank and the boys suits from Vittoria Rossi and make sure you're looking your best when you see that person tonight. I thought was the, you know, I not to, not to beat up, but I thought that this was 
Nate Schmidt's worst game as a Winnipeg Jet. He had a rough night here tonight. He looked discombobulated to me. And then the last point I wanted to make, because I made this point on the show. I know people didn't like the point. I know you may not have liked the point. The the call that didn't go on Pierre-Luc Dubois oh. last game when he got, and everyone was saying that should be a penalty. And I was saying, if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois and you play this game and you get the calls you get or you get away with what you get away with, then you have to expect every once in a while when it happens to you and you don't get the call, that's just part of playing that game. Well, I think I said it to you. He catches on a potential scoring chance. He catches Wild Bill and mugs him, bends him over backwards onto the ice right in front of the referee. The referee is watching and doesn't make the call. I have no idea how he got away with it, but to me that hammers home the point of Pierre-Luc Dubois plays this game. He gets away with stuff he should never get away with. He gets calls in in a very intelligent way. And there's lots of refs see that. And sometimes when refs see that, they're saying, you're not going to get the call this time, big boy. You can't get every call to go your way when you get as many calls that do go your way as Pierre-Luc Dubois did. And tonight, that mugging was a perfect <laughs> example of that. Uh, anyway, I uh, wanted to say thank you to you, Ken. You knocked it out of the park. It's good to see you. I feel like you've been a little shy. You've been taking the small plates to the buffet <laughs> as of late. Today you took an absolute Just trying to share, everybody. Just trying to share. We've had guests yeah. the last three games. We're just trying to share uh, the air. I'm telling you, you walked into the cafeteria and you grabbed the tray and the lady went to pass you the plate and you said, no, no, the tray will be fine. And you just filled <laughs> up the tray and went at her. I absolutely love it. Chat room, you rocked it as usual. Thank you so much for doing what you do. And as I always say, if you appreciate the conversations we're having in these spaces, please appreciate the sponsors uh, that keep these conversations going in these spaces and go out of their way to support the conversations going on in these spaces. For us, those sponsors are Vittorio Rossi, TransCanada Brewing, the Johnson Group, Lou Ferlin, Homefield, and Cambrian Credit Union. Thank you so much to them. Thank you so much, everybody. I'm going to end this with a little bit of a call out. Ken, our numbers dip during losses. And I got to say, for you fans out there who don't have the stomach to show up and talk about the game after a loss, give them a tug and let's get back to talking hockey on wins and losses. We'll see you after the next game when the, uh, when the Winnipeg Jets play the National Predators. Bye, everybody.